Good morning, everyone. Thank you for a beautiful welcome. It's wonderful to be here together. So nice to be here. I'm just taking it in. I'm sorry. It's so good. Uh, very welcome to everyone online, everyone in Darwin this morning. We're so glad to see you here, and uh, we know you're going to have a wonderful morning together. It's just wonderful to be together. Um, James and I, last this week on Thursday, the 16th of February, we hit our one year in Timor anniversary. <laughs> so we uh, really thank God for his goodness. We thank God for his provision. We thank God for his leadership in our lives uh, and just the wonderful way he's worked through us this last year, opened doors for us. Uh, we, I want to say thank you to um, James has been incredible. He's really been the rock that's helped us just keep moving forward. There are times where we're like, where are we going next, God? And, uh, you know, he's just helped. God has helped us just keep moving forward, just keep trucking along and finding where he's placing our next step. And I also want to say a big thanks to you. You know, our church, you're our church, you're our family. And you're our biggest support, you're our biggest encouragement. And so thank you, thank you. We have hit one year anniversary in Timor, so thank you so much. <laughs> um, James wants to say hello this morning. Uh, he wants to be here. He will be here in May, which is really exciting. For Mission Month, he's going to share a little bit about what he's been up to in Timor. So in just a couple of months, he'll be back. Um, but we want to say a big welcome. And I want to say... This year, I've been praying for us as a church, and uh, I am so excited for the next season. And I think so many of us in this room are excited about what God uh, is doing and is going to do in this next season for us. I'm full of um, anticipation for what God is going to do and how he's going to move in us and through us. I love the, the promise, the knowledge about God that we have, that he's always working. He's always moving. And when we put, a, put that into our community, how brilliant is it to know that God is always working in us and through us and for our community. He's working in us for the good, for our good and for the good of others. And he's, he's on the move. And this year, I'm just excited for the doors he's going to open. Um, last week, you would have, if you were in our service, we had our View 360 service, our Vision Sunday, and a number of us shared what, our, what we're believing for for this year. Uh, and what I am believing for, for mission, but also for us as a community here in Alice, in Darwin and in Timor, comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. And as I read this, I sort of took it and I'm like, yep, that's what I'm believing for, for us as a church this year. Paul is praying to the Thessalonian church and he says, May the Lord increase your love until it overflows towards one another and for all people, just as our love overflows towards you. May our love, may his love overflow to one another and to other people this year. That's my prayer and that's what I'm believing for in this season and I think this year is going to be an incredible one for us as a community. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray over the word this morning. God, thank you for your wonderful presence with us this morning. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are guiding us. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you will speak to our hearts this morning. 
I pray that you'll help me say what you once said. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us hear what you know our hearts need to hear. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Has anyone else (laughs) found a sort of enjoyment in just randomly watching TED Talks every now and then? There are so many. So TED Talks, you can go to TED.com, I think it is, and there are thousands of people who know all kinds of things about all kinds of things. And there are just thousands of them, and some of them go for three minutes, some go for 20 minutes. But very knowledgeable people talking about all kinds of fun things. And I just sometimes like looking on there. It's a little bit like Netflix. You kind of take an hour to find one to watch, and then after that you run out of time to watch it. Um, But I do like looking at them. And um, in Timor, the internet's not great, so I don't get to watch as many as I would like. But recently I watched a TED Talk, uh, and it was on how to have fun. Now, you might be wondering, why am I looking up how to have fun? I want to rest you assured. I have a fun life. (laughs) But I just thought it would be really interesting to know what someone who's researched fun says is important if we want to have fun. So, I watched it, and it was really interesting. This one researcher has spent hours and hours and talked to thousands of people. And she's asked them, what is your most, like, funnest, because I think that's a word, your funnest moment? Tell us about it. What happened? And then she's sort of collated all the interesting information to see what sticks, what is in all the stories, what do people need to have fun? And she came down to three, she found three essential ingredients. And one of them we're going to talk about today, because one of them If you want to have fun, you need connection to others. You need, if you want to have fun, you need to share it with someone. We were created for connection and we were created for community. To be together and in community is good for us. Not only is it good because we can have fun, But it's good for our physical health, it's good for our mental health, it's good for, the, for us to have a flourishing life. We need to be in community with each other. We need to be in connection and relationship with one another. And I want to say from the onset this morning, I'm not talking about intimate um, marriage relationships. I'm talking about community, I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about family who become friends. I'm talking about doing life with people. You know, God is a relational God. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all together as one, honouring one another, loving one another, doing things together. They live and work in union together. And in Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that this relational God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all together, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, the sea and the birds and the flowers, which I love, and everything. He created everything. And it was good. And he said after each day, it is good. It was good. And then he says, let us create mankind in our image and in our likeness. A relational God creating relational beings to join him in community and to be in relationship with him. So God created Adam and he saw that he was alone. And he said, well... That's not good. That is not good. And so he created another companion for him. A person alone is not good, but people together and with God, that is good. 
So we are created in community for community, to be with God and to be together with one another. And I love, I love how uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes writes it. They say, he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one can be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. God uh, created us to be in community so that we wouldn't be alone. And when he sees that we are alone, he is working to put us back into community. Psalm, Psalm 68, verse 6, and I love this. And if you take one thing away from this um, chat this morning, it is this. God sets the lonely in families. God is passionate about seeing individuals connected to one another, to do life together, to be together. He created us to be in community with him and with others. And I love when you have this knowledge and then you start reading the scriptures and you start reading about the life of Jesus. You see Jesus with that same passion for putting people in community. John chapter 5 verse 11 says, The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see Jesus so many times seeing people who are isolated, people who are outcasts of society, and he brings them back into community. He does whatever's needed in their life to restore them to community, to be able to, be, to do life together. And there's so many t- stories that we could talk about this morning. Um, the incredible story where he brings healing to the woman, the time when there's, there's many, the many um, the, who had leprosy. There are so many stories where Jesus comes alongside someone who needs to be restored to him, but they need to be restored to one another. And this morning, I want us to read and just share around one of these stories. And it's found in Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 39. This is the story of one man who is completely alone. He's completely isolated from his community. He's living away from any authentic and loving friendships and relationships until Jesus comes into his world and changes his life. And this story is found in Matthew, Mark and Luke. So we know that it was a big deal. And there's so many things that we can pull out of this story, but I just want to pull out a few, but we'll read it first. So Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Jesus says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Let me just pause there for a moment and give you context. Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. Things are going really well. People are starting to listen to his ministry. They're starting to follow him. They're coming to him for healing. And his, his name and his fame is spreading. He is getting a following. This is a good thing. People are coming and the crowds are coming and the momentum in his ministry is building. And as he's on one side of the lake and he's ministering and the crowds keep coming and people keep getting healed, one day Jesus just says to his disciples, hey, let's go to the other side. 
Let's leave all this, all the momentum, all the crowds, all the people. Let's leave all these ones. Let's go over here. So we'll pick up the story. Jesus says, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. They sailed to the region of Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his lung, at the top of his voice, "'What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God?' I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times this spirit had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were all drowned. <laughs> Such a strange story, that part. <laughs> When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people in the whole region of Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So Jesus got in the boat and left. The man from whom the, two, from whom the demons had gone out begged Jesus to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. Verse 40, now when Jesus returned back across the lake, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. And the story will continue for another day. That's the story for today. This story, there are so many things we could talk about, about the goodness of God, about the incredible nature and character of Jesus that we can see in this story. There are so many things. Um, but we don't have all the time. So I just want to talk and, and pull out like three things that I have seen, that I read, and I just see the beautiful nature of Jesus when it comes to his approach and 
relationship, relationship with this man. So number one, Jesus contends for connection. Jesus had to go out of his way to come across this man and to bring healing and restoration to him. It wasn't convenient and it wasn't comfortable. I find when I've read the Gospels a few, you know, you read the stories of Jesus and it was just this moment that I real when I was reading just a few weeks ago, it struck me that Jesus was on one side of the lake and all the crowds and everything was good and everything was going really well in ministry life. And then he says, let's go to the other side. And there's just one man, one man who desperately needs healing, desperately needs restoration, not only to God, but to his community. And everyone else didn't want Jesus. No one else wanted Jesus. So Jesus went on this journey through a storm for this one man. And then he comes back to the crowd and the story continues. Jesus went out of his way. Jesus had to contend for that relationship. I feel like he, it wasn't easy. It didn't just come across his path. It wasn't an incidental happening. He was uh, intentional about coming across this man and bringing healing to him. I think this story is just so much like the parable that, Luke, uh, that Jesus shares about in Luke 15, where he talks about the, the 99 and the 1. Doesn't this story just remind you of that? It says, suppose a man has a 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in search for one? And he did exactly that in this story. When reading this story, it's interesting. Some commentators say they're not quite sure why Jesus crossed the lake and to go to this place. And I don't know. I suppose we don't because it doesn't say exactly why Jesus went. But I feel like maybe Jesus went because he knew that this man was there waiting to come out of the tombs and waiting to have his life literally restored. He lived in the tombs. He was living dead. The living dead. And Jesus restores him, not only to God, to a relationship with Jesus, but to his community. So number one, Jesus contends for connection. And as I think about that for us, I think it is, it can be really hard sometimes for relationships in our life, to do life together, to have friends, to have life group, to have community gatherings. The older you get, the harder it becomes because we have so much going on in our lives. <laughs> we have so much going on. We have to be intentional if we want to maintain friendships. I don't know. I've seen this amazing meme that I wanted to show you and then I decided that maybe others wouldn't find it funny. There's a meme of Jesus at his communion table and it says, the miracle no one talks about is Jesus who has 12 friends after 30. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so true. It can be really hard sometimes <laughs> because connection can be hard when we have so many things in our life wanting our attention and our time. 
whether it's, it's our work and our promotions and our need for um, our financial security and then we have the sport and the kids and the gym and we better eat right and so you've got to cook that right and you can't, you know, you, there's just so many things. There's so many. And so we have to contend with so many other things if we want to maintain strong, healthy, vibrant community connection and relationship. And I think also in a town like Alice, it can be hard. Friends come and friends go. A new season that we feel like we've just lost connection. And then it can be hard to choose to step out again and make a new connection when you feel loss and grief from a friend that has left. Alice is very transient. Darwin is very transient. These are, this, is a hard, this is reality. It is something we have to contend with. It's also something, though, for the new person, someone who's just arrived in community, doesn't know anyone, and is wanting and desperate and praying and believing that someone's going to bring them into their family. It's a moving and, and transiency is hard for every, everyone on the, in, in, the, in that space. But God has set us in families because he knows we need each other. He knows we need each other and other people need us. We need each other. So number one, Jesus contends for connection. Number two, Jesus sees the heart. You know, this man presented to Jesus as a wild man in conflict with himself, yelling out and behaving in ways that people were afraid of him. But Jesus saw beyond what was presented. He looked past what was going on on the outside. He looked past the veil and the behaviour and he looked at the heart. He saw a man. He saw at the heart of a man someone who is known, loved and created by God and he connected with him. You know, I've been thinking a lot recently about this amazing truth that when God created man, he said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. We are created in the, in the likeness and in the image of God. Isn't that amazing when you think about that? And I've just been thinking, wow, that means in this room, you and me, in our community of Alice Springs, in our community in Darwin, everyone we meet... Every single person, we are image bearers of God. Each and every one of us are image bearers of God. And I think each of us, very unique, I am very unique. <laughs> but we are all, all made and purposed and planned by God for him and for one another and for the good things that he's stored up for us. We are image bearers of God. And it's amazing. Jesus always looked at the heart. He hung out with all kinds of people. Sinners, tax collectors, Jews, Samaritans, the old, the young, the men, the women. It didn't matter. Jesus saw a person, an image bearer, loved by God. And he invited everyone to his table. Because he sees, he's not distracted by what else is going on, but he knows there's a person of worth and a person of value inside every single one of us. And for the man in this story, 
the man that came out of the tombs. Jesus didn't see all the distractions that was going on. He saw a heart after God's own heart. He saw an image bearer. And I feel like for us, what an amazing opportunity it is that we can walk around looking at one another and just recognising we are all treasured by God and we are all image bearers of God. It's amazing. We can be curious, like, what, what gift has God put in this person? What gift has he put in that person? Because we all have special gifts and talents and abilities. We've all been created with a purpose that God has ordained for each and every one of us. And it's exciting. It's exciting to be like, wow, what, what's inside you? Let me tell you about me. <laughs> and we're all on a journey, so it's all good. But we are all unique and all loved, and we all have something to bring to the table. I love that. So Jesus sees the heart. And number three, he restores him to community. I love, at the end of that story, he wants to go with Jesus, and Jesus says, verse 39, return home. Return home. We don't know how long he hasn't been home. We don't know how long he's been out of community, outside, away from his friends, his family. He would have had a life, and then life happened to him. And Jesus says, go home. Go back to your loved ones. Go back to your family. Go back to your friends and tell them the good things that God has done. You know, the demons used to take him to isolated places, but this new and redeemed life, healed and restored to community, he is back with his family. And I love that. I love that we see in this story God puts the lonely in families. Jesus sees what the father does and says, well, I'm going to put the lonely in families. And in this case, Jesus, we don't know how long the trip was, but Jesus left everyone else. He left the 99 and he goes after the one to make sure this one, this one man that would have just, who just desperately needed a miracle and healing and acceptance. And Jesus restores him. And I think, you know, this matters. This matters for us. Because there are people in our nation, in our community, who are lonely. You know, I did, a, I did some research, 2018, a study done by the Psychological Society. 50% of Australians feel lonely for at least a day each week. That's a high. That's high. 27.6% feel lonely for three or more days. 30% rarely or never feel like they have, um, that they are a part of a group of friends. And one in four Australians feel like they don't have a lot in common with people around them. They feel a disconnection. I feel like these stats are really high. Do you reckon? Like, I feel like this is something, this is not good. God said when he saw people together, it was good, and when we, when we see people who are alone, it is not good. So we know that this is not good. God wants to see people connected to him and to others. And when we really think about the fact that there are individuals in our communities who are sitting, wishing that they could be in a community, wishing they could be with 
friends and people that understood them and that they were um, able to just go for dinner one night with somebody. It breaks your heart. It breaks your heart to know that there are people who are feeling isolated in our community. And it got me thinking. You know, Jesus said, we as his church will do even greater things than he. That's amazing because Jesus did a lot of amazing things. And I don't know if I can do all the amazing things Jesus did. But what if we as his ambassadors and those that he's given the ministry of reconciliation to, what if the miracle someone is praying for is an invitation to have dinner one night this week? What if the miracle someone is praying for is an invitation to coffee? What if the miracle and someone is believing and praying desperately to God that someone will notice them and invite them to come to our... We've got a picnic coming up in a couple of weeks in Alice. Invite them to the picnic. You know, God puts the lonely in families. Who can we bring to our table? Who can we bring? Do we have room? Do we have room? Jesus contends for connection. He sees image bearers of God and he restores people to community. Dave can come and join me on stage. You know, I think this matters and it's, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've been lonely. I've been the person that needs someone to reach out and invite them. I reckon I've prayed to God three times in my life for friends. If that's you and you think that's a weird prayer, it's okay, you can pray. God cares. God, we know he went out of his way. He goes out of his way for people to make sure they are connected and doing life together. He cares about us being connected to one another. And if you this morning feel that's you, you feel isolated, you feel disconnected, you feel out of connection. I get it. Like, when we moved to Timor, James and I, one year ago, we knew no one. No one. (laughs) It was such a strange feeling. We knew no one and we trusted God that he is going to open up opportunities of friendship and relationship for us. And we are so blessed that a couple of Christians saw us and decided to take us in. I'm so grateful for this couple that sort of met us and were like, oh, do you guys want to come for dinner? We were like, yes, we have nothing on. (laughs) We are free every single night. (laughs) How many times can we come? (laughs) But they met us and they invited us, and they made space for us in their life. We're still friends. It wasn't just a one-off dinner, thank you, see you later. They, they welcomed us into their life. And I'm so grateful because if it wasn't for them, a connection started and then I, we met other people through that one connection and met other people through that one connection. It started with someone who was willing to invite us to their table. And if you are here this morning and you are waiting for that invitation, 
Man, our church, this church, we are the best. <laughs> we have, we are full, every single person here. We are so glad you're here. We are so glad that you've chosen to spend this morning here with us. And we want to see you connected to this family, this church family, because we are a family. We are friends that have become family. And if you feel like you're a little bit on the fringe, if you feel like you're a little bit on the outside, please just come and tell someone. Because that is the last thing we want to do and the first thing we want to fix. Because we are a family. And it's funny in our community, sometimes we think we should be able to do everything by ourselves. Such a... um, seems to be something in our society that we're independent, that we're fine and we don't need other people, we're good. (laughs) And so please just push past that (laughs) because it's okay because we've all been there. (laughs) We've all been there when we've had to say, hey, I'm free every night. (laughs) Please, I want to get connected. We're going to finish this morning with communion. And I think it's the perfect way to finish this morning because it's a reminder of the way God moved. (laughs) He went to such lengths for us to be in connection and relationship with him. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son so that you and I can be in relationship with him. We look at this story of Jesus crossing the lake for this one man, for us and our salvation. Jesus left heaven. He left the beautiful communion that he was in with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He left so that you and I can be in perfect relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he wants us to be in community and connection with him so much that he made a way for each and every one of us to be as a part of his family. So we're going to finish with communion. But before we do, Pastor Peter is going to share an item with us. And it talks about how we are invited to the table. We're invited to the communion table. We're invited to the, the family table of God. So we're going to enjoy that and then we're going to come back and take communion together.
God, we thank you that you made a place for us at your table, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Father, the creator of the universe. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way for us to be with you, 
in your family. We thank you for the, your body broken for us. The intentionality, the extent of your love that sent you to the cross for us. We thank you for a love undeserved. We thank you, Lord, for your love that is outpoured for us and revealed in such a magnanimous way on the cross. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Let's take the bread together. We thank you for your blood that was spilled for us, Jesus. Thank you. Let's finish in prayer. Lord, we're so thankful for you this morning. We're thankful that you made a space for us at your table. We're thankful for the way that you pursued us, that we, because we are in relationship with you, Jesus, you you found us. You found us and you connected us to you and we are so thankful that you found us and you loved us. Just like the man in the story that you loved so much that you went after him, just like you went after us, we thank you, Jesus for the incredible love that you've shown us. And God, we are thankful that you've put us in community. We thank you that we are here together in Alice Springs, in Darwin, in Timor. We're thankful, Lord, that you have placed us in our DLC family. We pray that you will help us to grow this year in our love for each other, in our connection. Lord, we thank you that you cover each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that you help each of us to see with eyes that you see people that need to be loved, people that need to come to the table. God, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds and help us be your hands and feet, Jesus. God, we thank you, you put the lonely in families. Jesus, we thank you that you put the lonely in families. And now we're thankful that you have given us the task of putting the lonely in our family. And so we thank you, Jesus, and we ask that you lead us and you guide us and you fill us with your love that we are going to see this year an incredible grace, God. We're going to see this family, this DLC family grow. It's going to grow here in Alice. It's going to grow in Darwin because people are connected to one another and you in amazing love. And we just thank you. We declare a year of and this season of a love that is overflowing in our community and around one another. And we thank you for it, Jesus. And everyone said this morning, Amen.